Beloved, today we begin a new season in the life of our church. We've moved our Sunday services online, and many of our other ministries will continue through various media platforms. In the face of this COVID-19 crisis, our pastoral team is working together to learn and to implement new ways of delivering ministry online. So during this indefinite period, we must remember that we are one church. We are three language congregations, but we are one family of God. And never before have we experienced so much unity and trust on our team. Our team has always, our pastoral team has always loved each other. We've always trusted each other. But now more than ever, we can see how we're actively together as one family of God. As a sign of our unity, this same message that I will be preaching will also be preached by Pastor Chiho to the Cantonese congregation in Cantonese. And then Pastor Frank Gu will be preaching the same message to the Mandarin congregation in the Mandarin language. So if you'll allow me and join me to lead us in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into God's word. Father, we come before you in a very different setting. This room is only filled with a few people right now, three or four, and the faithful AV team that's upstairs. Now, Lord, it is different. This is a new stage of life in our church. But we pray, Lord, that you would be with us. We pray, Lord, that you would use your word to bring comfort and hope in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. Father, in a time of crisis, Lord, we pray that you would bring healing to those who are sick. We pray, Lord, that you would supernaturally intervene. Father, we want to pray for protection, not only, only over the members of our church, but everyone in this world. Father, we want to pray that you would use common grace, your common grace that you've ordained, and that you would use infectious disease specialists and medical professionals to come up with a vaccine. But we know, Lord, that that is not our greatest hope. Our hope is in Christ. So I pray, Lord, tonight, this morning, or whenever we are receiving this message, that you would anchor our hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Our Lord has sovereignly prepared us, beloved, for this moment. You know, the core of our vision is to be a vibrant church of disciple makers that reproduces vibrant churches locally and globally. Now is the time. Now is the time. How fitting that you and I must embrace our call to be disciple makers. We are not just disciples who receive the word of God taught to us. We're not just disciples who follow other spiritual leaders in our pursuit of Christ. But now we must be disciple makers reproducing the life of the church in our own homes or with our neighbors or on online platforms through Google Hangouts or WhatsApp or different chat groups or conference calls, we now more than ever must embrace our vision to make disciples and to reproduce that ministry. So it is amazingly fitting that the Lord has prepared us for this. But God has also prepared us through our indicators. We've heard so many times our four indicators in the last two years that we are to love passionately, live authentically, give generously, and go courageously. I mean, these indicators are now more relevant than ever. 
These indicators stand true now that we walk out there in a world of the unknown. I mean, you go into the supermarket, you, you go to the gas station, you're trying to keep six feet of distance because of social distancing, right? We all want to contribute for the goodness of man. But you don't know if your neighbor ha- is carrying COVID-19. You don't know if you are carrying COVID-19, but which, just without any symptoms. So there's this, this spirit of anxiety and fear. But that's where the Lord calls us, that we must first love God and trust him. And then we must love our neighbor, We must love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and we must love our neighbor by trusting because God is sovereign that we can not fear people but we can show love yet with precaution and wisdom. And we must then live authentically. Now our faith is being tested daily. Can we trust God? Does the Lord care about us? He hasn't provided any answers for us yet he knows the answers. He knows when this, this pandemic will end. Can we live authentically? Can we be salt and light? When non-Christians look at us, do they see faith in Christ or do they see fear in the midst of crisis? And we are called to give generously. Everywhere people are buying supplies. They're trying to preserve themselves and we'll come back to this. There's a spirit of self Preservation, which we totally understand. But as Christians, we are the church. And we have the church. And the church is called to give generously in wise ways, first to each other. Every local church having the responsibility to provide for their own members. Every community group or small group providing for our own members. And then, with what surplus we have left, can we provide for our neighbors and non-Christian friends. We are called to give generously, and we are called to go courageously. And that's now an everyday call. It takes courage to do anything nowadays, to leave your home. It takes courage to communicate with people. It takes courage to do good to our fellow man. So we never knew that our indicators would be so applicable, but in a time of crisis, we are so grateful that the Lord has prepared us. And so we are praying for God to bring an end to the COVID-19 pandemic so that we can once again gather face-to-face as a church. But until then, we are confident that Jesus' church will prevail over crisis. Not just FCBC Walnut, but every Bible-believing and gospel-preaching church will prevail. I've entitled our message today, The Prevailing Church in Perilous Times. The Prevailing Church in Perilous Times. Our main point today is simple. We have one main point, and our main point is that Jesus' church prevails when we trust in him, love like him, and unite in him. Three simple points. In other words, Jesus' church will prevail when we trust in him, love like him, and unite in him. So our first point, point number one this morning is we must trust in him. We must trust in Christ. And we see this in John chapter 14, verse 27. Trust in him. We must trust in Christ. John chapter 14 Verse 27, it records Jesus saying, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What a fitting word for times like these. The Lord Jesus leaves us peace, and he says that our hearts must not be troubled. Our hearts must not be afraid. Now there is a context to John 14, which is really helpful. That in this context of John 14, Jesus knows that his time here on earth is surely coming to an end. His time left on earth is short. His earthly days are numbered. Soon he will go to the cross and die for the sins of his people. But before he departs, he he reassures his disciples of one thing, that he will never leave them. His presence will be with them. Now the larger context of John 14 tells us how Jesus' presence is with us. John 14 is the chapter where Jesus promises the coming of the helper, the coming of the divine helper, the Holy Spirit. John says, not as the world gives do I give. That is very encouraging because Jesus gives to us not just the promise of a thing, a product, or an event, but he promises a person, a divine person who would represent him, a divine person who is God himself in the third person of the triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Jesus leaves us the indwelling Spirit of God. So in essence, having God is having peace, and the world finds peace How does the world find peace, though? How do they look for peace? How are they searching for peace? If you were to ask anybody in this world what would bring them peace, it would be simple. They would say, when a vaccine is discovered, we can breathe a sigh of relief. A COVID-19 vaccine would bring us a certain degree of peace. Then, how will our government and our health agencies distribute this? How quickly can we be vaccinated? How short will the lines be? How will we get this vaccine out? And once people receive the vaccine, they may find peace. The world finds peace through healing that comes through medicine. And the world will ultimately find peace when COVID-19 is eradicated. Now, don't get me wrong, those will be times of great rejoicing. And we ought to all pray for the eradication of this disease and for the Lord to work through medical technology. But we know that for the Christian, the believer, the Christ follower, that we have a greater peace. We have a greater peace that we have a God who sustains all of our lives. We have a God who created us. He knows how long we will live. He knows what trials will come our way, whether it's COVID-19 or any other trial or disease, such as cancer or, or economic difficulty that we're going through, but he knows other trials that we would have. And we must be reassured by the words of Jesus that Jesus does not leave us. And that's why the first thing we need to do is trust in him. Do we trust in him now in our homes and with our families that his presence is with us? That if any trial comes upon us, that the Lord has not left us and he will guide us through each step of the way. So it's on these grounds that the Lord is with us that he exhorts us. Let not your hearts be troubled. Not because there is no trouble in this world. Neither let 
them be afraid. Not because we should be macho or that we should have bravado or that we should be overconfident or proud or arrogant. Fear is real. And in many ways, fear at times can be healthy because fear brings about responsibility versus recklessness. But Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, because he himself guarantees his presence with us. Therefore, our courage and our confidence is rooted and anchored in Christ. This leads us to point number two this morning, or this evening, or whenever you're listening to this, or watching this sermon. Point number two is we must love like him. We must love like him. And we see this not in the same passage, but within the same book, the Gospel of John. You see, today we are preaching topically, but the expositional connection is that we are following the authorial intent of the same biblical author. So in John chapter 13, John 13, verses 34 to 35, John says this. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, verses 34 to 35. You see, notice in verse 34, Christ calls us to love one another. When you see this phrase, love one another, it's referring first to fellow Christians fellow believers. Now, this does not mean that we don't love non-Christians or people outside of the church because the Lord also commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are to be neighborly. But the ultimate priority, first and foremost, is one of the reasons why we can trust him and we can trust Christ is because Christ has ensured a design for his church to care for each other. We must care for one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. We are to love our fellow Christians the way that the Lord has loved us. And in other words, our service to one another and our sacrifice for our fellow church member reveals that we are truly disciples of Christ. Now, what does it look like in the time of crisis to love one another? I believe John tells us. Now, here's the thing. John doesn't tell us in his gospel what it exactly looks like in a time where supplies are low, in a time where where the world is panicking, in a time where there's a lot of anxiety and fear. But he does tell us in his epistle, in his letter, in the letter of 1 John, in the letter of 1 John, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, John writes, he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, meaning fellow believers, for the church. Now, what does this look like practically, though? Now, look at verse 17. Verse 17, John says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children. So now, John is speaking to the children of God as children of the heavenly father, spiritual children of God of all ages, little children. Let us not love in word, meaning just say that we love one another, or in talk, but in deed and in truth. This 
passage I find so encouraging because this means that the Lord has equipped us for times where supplies such as basic supplies like toilet paper or a bag of rice that we're short on it. You know, even if you try to go to Costco today, I don't know if I would recommend that. The lines are wrapped around the corner. People in the markets have cleared the shelves of all basic household necessities like cleaning supplies and and, and paper and, and, and other things that we need to survive. But here's where I would encourage you as a church. If every small group or community group, or even if you're not in a small group or community group, if you know other people in the church, if you would just reach out to each other and set up some type of way of making sure we're all praying for each other, encouraging each other, there's a way where we can provide for each other. I know that we're all running low. That's where we need to trust God. But some of us have surplus. You know, you can safely take a few rolls of toilet paper and just drop it off at the front door of of your small group or, or community group member's house or you can put a bag of rice there, like a small bag of rice, if we're actually running that low. We can really care for each other or some diapers or things that we need for our family. We just need to reach out for, to one another because we are the church. That's the difference with us in the world. Yes, we need to worry. Yes, we need these supplies. And some of us, maybe by God's sovereign grace, that some of us are hoarders and some of us went out and, and went shopping and we have those supplies and we can share them. That's the difference with the church is that Jesus calls the church to be the church. So in a time of crisis, let's love like Christ. And that's why I'm not worried because I know so many of you personally that I know that you love one another and you will care for each other. But now beyond the church, how can we be a missional witness? You see, if the world looks at us and says, wow, the church really doesn't take care of each other, then that's not that good of a witness. But once we've taken care of one another within the church, that serves as a powerful witness to the unbelieving world. But now when our neighbor has needs, when our neighbors, our non-Christian neighbors, have needs, we can also provide and care for them. And that's how we show the love of Christ in a time of crisis. There are ways where we can actually live out the gospel. But beloved, here's where at times we must be wise, but we also need to have some winsome courage. The Lord calls us to be courageous in times of crisis. I thought of something very practical that may or may not apply. And, and I know that I am not a medical professional, so if you're a medical professional and if this is not wise counsel, please let us know. But I do have a suggestion You know, I know here in Los Angeles County, I know many of the school districts have closed down. Many companies and organizations have allowed and made provisions for employees to work from home, but that is not the case with everyone. There are people like first responders or people who work in the hospital who need to go to work. And people with young children, they don't know what to do. Now, once again, We're not talking about strangers, but we're talking about people in your small group or your community group or people in the church. I don't know what the risk factor is. I think we need to be careful, right? But it takes courage. What if we could offer childcare? Now, I don't recommend, I don't recommend that we have play dates where there's 20 or 15 kids running around because we want to be very careful that we we don't know who's carrying COVID-19 and we don't want to spread the virus. But what if 
we, would, we could lend a hand in providing childcare for parents within our own church who have to go to work. And we're taking a risk. We're being courageous. But that is one way where we can actually live out the gospel. You see what happened on the cross. On the cross is that our burdens became Jesus' burdens, and he bore our greatest burden. Our sins and the penalty for our sin became Jesus's. On the cross, he actually bore our shame. He bore all of our problems, and he risked his life. He sacrificed rather than preserved his own life. Our problems became his problems, and his grace and his holiness and his resources, all of the resources of heaven, in, in terms of bringing us salvation, he declared unto us, became ours, if we would trust in him. That's what Jesus did for us. And Jesus had this ultimate hope, though. You see, Jesus, he sacrificed his life rather than preserved his life because he knew that he would get it back again. He knew that three days later he would resurrect. And oftentimes, I think we're tempted to say, well, we're not Jesus. But beloved, before we think that, isn't it true that you and I would also resurrect from the dead? Isn't it true that if you have Christ, that one day we would experience physical resurrection? And isn't it true that right now, through the gospel and the indwelling spirit, that we have the power of the resurrection? So even, and I'm not wishing this or saying that we ought to be morbid or overconfident, but even in the worst case scenario, if we were to go home and be with the Lord, we would know and have confidence that we would experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. This is a way where we can be the church for each other in a time of crisis. But again, it requires trust. And it requires, rather than self-preservation, which is the common spirit out there in the world, which is understandable and reasonable, we must have wise yet self-sacrificial courage. This is the moment for the church to shine, beloved, this is the moment where the world is in a mode of, of self-preservation and watching us. And so, one, so another way where we sacrifice and we love is that we need to help curb the spread of COVID-19. And this is where, why our church has taken the precautions of suspending all on-campus ministries. This is why we're trying to keep social justice. Even now, I am at least six feet apart from my fellow pastor who's going to be preaching next. You know, and, and, and so we're just taking precautions because we want to love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and we want to love our neighbor. Last week, I preached a message where I displayed a lot of confidence in the gospel. I pray that none of you receive that the wrong way. Yes, we need to have confidence. And yes, we must not panic. But I hope that you understand that confidence doesn't mean that we lack care. So that's why our church and many churches in the United States and around the world have suspended their face-to-face -face gatherings because we really do want to love our neighbor. That we don't fear disease, but if we're carrying the virus and we don't know, and, and we want to be very careful, we know that the nature of this disease is that we, we, we might not have any symptoms yet we might carry it. And we know that when people gather in large groups, that's how the, the, the virus spreads very quickly. And we know that people over 60 or people with pre-existing conditions or pregnant women 
or people who might have compromised immune systems, they are susceptible. So even though many of us will survive the COVID-19 crisis, we must care for others. And that's another way that we can love one another and love our neighbor. And if we all love Christ as a church, that means we are united. And that leads me to point number three. Point number three today is to unite in him. So once again, the church prevails, that Jesus' church will prevail when we trust in him, love like him, and point number three, unite in him. Once again in the Gospel of John, but this time in John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. I want you to draw your hearts here because this, this is a very powerful passage Jesus, in John 17, is in the midst of his high priestly prayer. He is praying for his disciples. He's praying for the 11. So that's 12 disciples minus Judas, who has betrayed him. He's praying for his 11 disciples. But then in verse 20 of John 17, he extends his prayer for every believer that would be his disciple one day. That's all of us. That's you and me. And so let me read this to you. He says, I do not ask for these only, referring to his 11, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, meaning the preaching of the gospel. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Then in verse 22, you see this repeated. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you love me. I want you to notice the repetition. Jesus emphasizes unity. That, that his disciples, he's praying that the followers of Jesus, the church, would be one. And he repeats it, that we would be one just as the Trinity is one. I know even though Jesus is saying Father and him, Father and Son, they're not leaving out the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has just been promised in the context of John 14, 15, 16, and 17. So, but there is a unity among the divine Godhead, that Jesus is praying that that same unity would be perfectly experienced in the church. And there's a purpose for this. Once again, he repeats twice that the world would see the unity of the church and, the, and, and they would see this witness and they would believe. But my question is that how do we display our unity when we can't gather in one place? You know, for, for so long... We've kind of seen our unity as being here on Sundays or being here on Fridays. When we're together, we feel united. Even though we are three language congregations, when I'm coming in at 1045 and I see my brothers and sisters from the Cantonese exiting their service, I rejoice. Not because they're done and, and we get to get on the stage and we get to set up, but I rejoice because I know that they have just worshipped God. And now the English congregation is about to worship God. In the same way, I see the Mandarin brothers and sisters in Christ. I see so many new faces. And I know that some people will believe. And I see them and I rejoice because I know that they're going to worship. That they've just worshipped. And they're coming out now. And they're greeting each other and praying for each other. And they're going to Sunday school. And, and I rejoice in knowing that 
that our youth and children are going and, and they will be praising God. You see, there's a sense of unity when we're gathered. Other times where I know it's difficult because there's translation, but sometimes we have combined service every so often. And sometimes there's a sense of unity that we're together, hearing the same message, even though there's translation. There's a sense of unity, but how do we experience this unity in the face of COVID-19? You know, yesterday, President Donald Trump declared a national state of emergency. And so we don't know what will happen. I'm not an expert. But, but we can envision by looking at Italy that possibly the nation in the next few weeks, because we are beyond containment of the virus, that we may go down on lockdown. You know, that's a good and healthy response, that we would stop the spike of the virus spreading, that we would curb the disease by, by having lockdown and guaranteeing the social distancing. But if that happens, even more so, that even the smaller gatherings, like small groups, that we would even take more precaution and everything would move to a virtual space or online. How do we experience unity? Right? How do we experience unity? And that's where I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to encourage you because just in this week, in fact, in the last three to four days, I've experienced so much unity among our pastors, deacons, officers, leaders, and members. It's not that we didn't have unity before. It's not that we didn't love each other before. But I've experienced so much trust. So much trust. You, beloved, have given us as pastors so much trust to make decisions quickly because we had to make decisions quickly as the situation continued to rapidly change. I've experienced so much trust and love from our deacons. I've seen officers step up Case in point is that right now, as I've mentioned before, there's an AV team upstairs coming on Saturday. You know, they're driving, they're risking their health as well. And they're here. And sometimes they can't be six feet apart. But they are here. And they're serving us. We've, I've received emails from different members asking to set up online prayer chains. We've seen different worship leaders step up and say, can we choose some songs for you guys? And, and, and we can give you the links uh, so that we can worship together when we send out these links. I've seen the church come together here at FCBC Walnut. But beyond this, Beloved, you know, we are a, we're an American evangelical church where you know there's different denominations, there's different groups, there's different tribes, different networks. But this week, I've seen networks trying to help each other. I've seen pastors from different denominations helping each other. I've seen pastors from different local networks trying to really genuinely help each other. You know, every pastor that I know, we're cheering for each other. We're sharing notes. We are sharing information. We are sharing protocol and decision-making processes and documents and things that we can adapt and put online. I've seen so much unity in the face of crisis that really the church is cheering for Christ to win. And so, beloved, I've experienced that unity. And because of that, I know that our unity can be experienced even though we can't gather face-to-face. -face. So we encourage you, beloved, to gather in online, online groups, through online virtual chats, through whether it's WhatsApp, like we mentioned, Facebook, Facebook chats, Google Hangouts. All of these things are at our disposal. All of these things that, that some of us don't know how to use these platforms. So let's help each other. Let's teach each other. 
And let's pick up the phone even to hear each other's voice, beloved. Let's see each other face to face through, through Apple FaceTime or through, if you have an Android, there's other ways to do that. So let's encourage each other and let's not stop being the church. Let's continue. And the pastors will work hard. There's a lot of things we need to learn, but we will work hard to try our best, to try our best to learn how to equip you. We will try to send out ways to encourage you and give you resources to how to have these studies and these, these virtual studies and these online studies and how to lead your own family or individually, how to, how to go through a time of devotion. Let's step up together. Beloved, I will end <clears throat> with this passage from the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonian church. The context of why Paul couldn't see the Thessalonians is very different from COVID-19. But the heart of Paul, I believe, is fitting for not only us, but every pastor to every church. And not just pastors to, to their, their flocks, but to church member to church member. So let, before I give you that text, let me give you the context. The context is the Paul... He's writing a letter to the Thessalonians and he wants to visit them in person in Thessalonica. You see, he didn't have FaceTime. He didn't have the technological, technological advancement that we have today. He just had writing and letters and messengers and to go back and forth and people that would spread the news, to back to, to bring the news back to him. But he wanted to see the Thessalonians. He wanted to see them and to, and to see their spiritual progress he couldn't get to them, so he felt torn in his heart. And I want you to see his love for them. Now, the passage is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 to 20. Let me read it to you, and it'll, it'll speak to you in real time. Paul says this. He says, but since we were torn away from you brothers for a short time in person, but not in heart. In person, but not in heart. We can't see each other face to face, but not in hearts. In heart, we're together. We endeavored the more eagerly and with, with, with great desire to see you face to face. Nothing would stop Paul from trying to get to them. So later on, he sends a messenger to get news of them. But we can do this even easier with the technology that we have. Great desire. In verse 18, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again... And again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you, church, you, First Chinese Baptist Church Walnut, you, English congregation, Cantonese congregation, Mandarin congregation, youth Youth worship, children's worship, you are our glory and joy. You see, Jesus is going to return one day, maybe soon. And on that day, we will look to one another and we will remember that through the COVID-19 crisis, FCBC Walnut was strengthened because you, beloved, are our crown of boasting before Christ, our glory and our joy. So main point, once again, Jesus' church prevails when we trust in him, love like him, and unite in him. We love you more than you know. We pray that you would also love each other 
in the same way. Join me in prayer. Father, I pray that you would give all of us courage in Christ, love in Christ, hope in Christ during this time. Lord, I pray that you would anchor our hearts to the word of God and your truth because it stands even if everything else around us seems like it's falling. Father, I pray for your protection over our church and over churches worldwide and over the common man. We pray for healing. We pray, Lord, for the eradication of COVID-19. And ultimately, Lord, we pray, Lord, for your second coming. We pray, Lord, that the love of Christ, that until that day, the love of Christ would be communicated among us through our sacrifice for one another. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.